last couple of services, in fact, this last month, the Holy Ghost has been pulling me off, and we've been examining the progression into sin and, and reversing the process and coming back out. And so we found out what got us in so we could find out what would get us out. We found out it all started with uncaptivated thoughts that become the high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God with the intention of replacing his knowledge to the imaginations. And, of course, James reversed the whole process, that, and he said that every man that falls into sin is tempted, tested, or tried. When he's drawn away by his own lust and enticed, when lust conceives, comes alive in the man's bosom, it brings forth sin and then sin death. And then in a warning to reverse the process, he said that you needed to put away from yourself all naughtiness, superfluity of the flesh, and receive the engrafted Word of God, which is able to save your souls. So whenever the devil wants to indoctrinate a decade or a generation with the breakup of morals in Christian families, divorces, sin, then Satan himself hands a mandate down to his principalities that goes something like this. I want you to take all the unclean spirits at your disposal, demons, devils, and unleash them on the entire body of Christ at once. For I want the fruit of this to manifest in a, a decade. So these principalities will issue orders to powers. The powers will disperse it to the rulers of darkness, which is placed all over different regions, and they'll disperse it to the untold millions of unclean spirits who then go about the task of causing these things to come to pass. All of a sudden, there's waves of immorality. Everybody's getting divorces, illicit affairs, scandals, money. And it seems like it all comes in a wave, like somebody masterminded it. Well, they did. They did. We think of demon possession. We think of some slobbering idiot stalking your kids into the brush. He doesn't know how to dress himself in the morning. If there's demon-possessed people who border on genius. They're tremendous personalities. And when these powers or principalities, these ruling class of spirit comes to them, they'll manipulate their lives until they're in key positions behind the media, our educational systems, our entertainment, our literature, our newspapers, anything to do with information that you receive that could affect the way that you think. Superfluity of naughtiness is when you and I let ourselves go beyond acceptable limitations and give our self over to things that we know violates our morals and is not acceptable. It begins the process of uncaptivated thoughts that turn into the high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God that turns in to 
imaginations, which is a way a man thinks that's overpowered by emotions, which has no basis for truth. That is an imagination. James put it this way, every man is tempted, tested, or tried. In other words, everybody has temptations thrown at him. But he yields to it when he's enticed. And he's drawn away by his own lusts. Through superfluity of naughtiness or beyond acceptable limits, he keeps lending himself to the temptation until it catches hold. All of a sudden, the man falls to immorality, pornography, divorce, scandalism. You think it happened overnight. Uh-uh. It was a plan as, as well laid and executed as Jesus Christ has placed the apostles and prophets and teachers in the body of Christ in divine order and gave them each an execution for the maturity of the body of Christ. He's just as organized. He's not stupid. So when Satan issues these orders and carries them out through the disbursement of his different classes of wicked spirits, suddenly we have a whole generation that has opened themselves up to unclean spirits through the media, through programming, through everything that takes you the step further than uncaptivated thoughts that become the high things, that exalts himself against the knowledge of God, that finally end up in the lust that conceives and brings forth sins or imaginations with no word as a basis for it. Well, if we know what got us in, we know what got us in we certainly should understand what gets us out this is what James went on to open up in the first chapter very clearly he said every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust when you're tempted don't say that God's tempting you he cannot be tempted with evil, nor tempteth he any man. Every man is tempted. He concedes to it when he's drawn away by his own lust and enticed. And lust comes alive like any seed that's germinated. When it conceives, then it gets a hold of a man's soul and takes root and controls his emotions until lust conceives. And its child is sin, and it'll kill you quicker than a snake. That James went on to talk about reversing the process. That's why he ensured you and I that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light. There's no variableness, no shadow of turning. They didn't have a timex to talk about. You know, to watch the second hand sweep, sweep in motion, you know, there's movement in it like a sundial. When a sundial gives you time, there's a shadow of turning. But he said, in God, he's so constant. There's no variableness in him at all. When he said, don't say I'm tempted of God. That every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light who throws no shadow. There's variableness of turning. Nothing, nothing. He does not vary at all. If he said every good and perfect gift comes down, it comes down from the Father of lights. She says, therefore, put away from yourself. It's your decision. 
all superfluity of naughtiness and receive the engrafted Word of God which is able to save and to stabilize your soul. I like that. Other words, he said, you're the man that looks into the perfect law of liberty and he walks away like looking in a mirror and forgets what he looked like. He says, you look into the perfect law of liberty, but you walk away from it and forget what is written in it, so therefore it's impossible for you to conform to it. But he says, he that looks in the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein becomes blessed in his deeds. In other words, it's the engrafted word of God that's able to stabilize your soul against the superfluity of naughtiness that turns in to the temptation that concedes to enticement that gives in to lust, that gives in to sin, that gives in to death. Ugly, isn't it? Then if he said, Put away the superfluity of naughtiness and receive the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Then that means I need to continue in the perfect law of liberty. I need to stay in it until I know what I look like. Until it has painted an image on the inside of my soul that I'm transformed to. So if uncaptivated thoughts gets me into the problem, then millions of God's thoughts flowing through me will get me out. Now this is where I was going, and this is what makes this so interesting. I've been counseling a lot of preachers lately, and then we're taking it another step further. I've been counseling a lot of preachers lately that's fallen to sin. And if you heard some of their testimonies, it'd scare you. And some of them say, to be honest with you, Brother Roberson, I'm not to the place where I mostly want to quit. If you'd ask me, do I want to quit sinning? I don't want to. I want to want to, but I don't want to. Now, I don't want to quit sinning, but I want to want to quit. Now, can you pray for me and make me want to quit? <laughs> That'd be nice. You could come and take all that away from me. So I, so I want to quit sinning, but I don't want to quit. I want to want to quit, but I don't want to. In other words, their emotions are exhausted. You know, the devil has, has trapped them, and, and it's a mess. Some of them have been in the ministry for years. Some of them have fallen publicly. But some of them's emotions have wore out and they say if you can tell me that you know you can make me want to want to quit then I'd quit and some of them carrying on a double standard what we'd label as hypocrisy because they're standing behind the pulpit carrying on their duties yet living this double standard and there's many good moral family men that's fallen to that good good moral Christian Family men through that system we introduced have been broke down. Yet they're kind of a pillar and, and they can't tell their family or each other hardly because 
it'd break the heart of the people that has the most confidence in them. These men, they can't tell. They don't know where to go get help. That when I started preaching on this, they'd come to me. So you know the worst thing about this is they said, I don't want to get out of it. And this is a general consensus I received. If somebody could make them want to, they would want to. But it had such a hold of them, they didn't want to. Yet they wanted God, they wanted the other things that leaves you in a peculiar situation. I said, well, how about praying in tongues? No, I don't feel like doing that. Well, how about worshiping God? Doesn't care what slimy rock you crawl out from under. How about just lifting your hands and beginning to worship God? I don't feel like it. I, I do it in church because it's part of my duty. See, that's where private worship separates you from public worship. You can put on a show out here that who's going to go into your closet and close the door and lift your hands when you're Dr. Jekyll and Hyde, you know. Who's going to do it private? No, I don't want to worship God. How about confessing the word? Walk the floor and confess that you're free. I don't feel like it. But to my amazement, most of them were willing to read the Word of God. And if I can get you to start reading the Word of God, just reading it, just reading it, a, a half hour in the Old and a half hour in the New, an hour in the Old, an hour in the New Testament, it won't be very long. You will have completed the entire Word of God. From beginning to end, you will have everything that God said about humanity concerning redemption flowing through you in thoughts. And you keep doing it every six months. Every six months, everything God said to a human being will be flowing through you again. And again. And again. And again. No matter what kind of slimy rock a guy crawls out from under, he just needs to get the word out and read it again and again. Because pretty soon, all these thoughts of God flowing through you will once again, if you submit yourself willfully to the word of God, after a while it'll start ordering your emotions and your emotions will get sucked into it. And pretty soon you'll start feeling like praying again. Feeling like worshiping again. Feeling like confessing again. Feeling like coming back because when the uncaptivated thoughts begin pretty first you resist them you know but you keep thinking about it pretty soon that lust and enticement conceives and grabs a hold of it first well they can't quit without help so i willfully make a decision to stop emotionally pulling that kind of stuff yeah you don't willfully dismiss emotions you have to turn them beginning process to turn is thousands and thousands of God's thoughts flowing through you the whole Bible flowing through you that it begins to pull the emotions back in and turning them to a want to basis with God receive the engrafted word of God which is able to what save your soul or emotional stability so let's go on and take this purging process a little bit further because we're studying prayer aren't we we're studying prayer and if you don't think that uh, that god will judge that kind of thing he says lust conceives it brings forth sin 
When sin's finished, it brings forth death. You're not going to get life out of it. Go to the 15th chapter of St. John. And let's start studying this purging process somewhat. Uh, he says, I am the true vine. Or speaking of Jesus. I am the true vine, or says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. He's the keeper of the vineyard. The husbandman takes care of it. He says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Now, I want you to notice that this branch was in him. Did you notice that? Of course, people don't like that. They talk about these verses too much, mostly further the grace, you know, the other way on grace. But these verses don't become too popular under these situations. But nevertheless, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, I like that. In this next verse, I even like better. The third verse. Now, you are clean or purged. You know, he says he bears this, this fruit-bearing branch. He says he'll purge it so he'll bear more. And he says, now you're clean or you're purged. Now you're purged. How? Through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now, in, when we lived in Oregon, I first began the ministry. We had that apple tree. It's my first experience with a revelation on purging. And it, it was a Newtown apple tree. New towns grow apples about this big. But it grew apples as big as crab apples. <laughs> now, I like crab apple jelly. But I used to try to eat those crab apples. You know. They're not eating apples. Now, them big delicious reds is what I like to eat. And Newtowns are okay. They're a juicing apple, a green apple about that big. Well, it was a Newtown apple tree. But we let it grow so much, and the people that owned the house before us let it grow so much that it was producing apples this big around. <laughs> really needed to be purged, pruned, it's called. It had so many limbs, couldn't walk under, and it snagged my suit and my hair. Of course, I couldn't get a haircut, I guess. Anyway, I, I asked a neighbor who's a, kind of a farmer anyway, had a chainsaw, and he really liked to use it. I said, would you mind pruning my apple tree? He says, no, I'll come down and prune your apple tree for you. So I went away in a meeting and come back. <laughs> Boy, and I, I didn't even recognize the house. <laughs> I pulled up in the front yard, and there's a stump, a stump. I thought he killed it. I mean, he cut it down to a stump, and we waited breathlessly for the first shoots to reappear to tell me that my poor apple tree survived the pruning. I called him up and I said, I think you killed my apple tree. He said, well, you may be right. 
And I can still remember to this day crossing the yard looking back at my stump. As I walked over to the step and I was looking back at my stump, I was kind of in shock because I loved my tree. Anyway, I'm walking across the yard looking back at my stump. Put my foot on that first step to go up to the house. Holy Ghost spoke up inside of me and said, <laughs> while I was looking at this tree that just been butchered, he said, you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> and my deepest, dark suspicions came true. He wasn't talking about the tree. He was talking about me. <laughs> of course, I'm speaking uniquely of myself. You folks are too near perfection. Now, he says, every branch in me that refuses to bear fruit is going to go one way or the other. He said, if you're bearing fruit, then you're going to take his purging so that you'll bear more. If you're refusing to bear fruit, then he said, you will be taken away. It's an impossibility to ride the line. See, a generation ago, Two generations ago, when our fathers had revival and they began to compromise one step at a time until they disconnected from the vine, it wasn't very long they were taken away. It will be taken away. We think not. It will. You're either going to go one way or you're going to go the other. And if you're bearing fruit, then he will purge you so that you will bear more. And he says, you are clean and you are purged through the engrafted word. Or the purging process does take place through the word of God, which I have spoken unto you. Now, we're going to talk about this purging process. Because I'm bearing fruit. You're bearing fruit. Most of you wouldn't be sitting here listening to me as long as most of you have. Now, most of people's lives that come to the center, somewhere along the line, sometimes I cross a line that they say, I just don't want to go that far with God. I want to go back to the world. I don't want to maintain that, that high of a walk in the spirit that you preach. So, she, all I want you to do is have a reward when you get to heaven. If you don't like me now, you will when you get to heaven. <laughs> if you're going to go to hell, you'll have to fight me for it. <laughs> you'll have to fight. So I want his purging. I want it. I just didn't know how it worked. And if I'm purged through the word of God that he's spoken to me, that engrafted word, then, then that must mean that there's an involvement of the Holy Spirit in my friend there is. And we're going to examine that in a moment. Because I, I am a triune human being and my purging has to be on three levels. 
It's the cry of my heart is not the resistance to purging and whether or not he will do it. The cry of my heart is please do so. Jesus, please do so. I don't want to be judged with the world. I don't want to one day through deception, the cunning craftiness of men that lay in wait to deceive, to be disconnected from the vine and go into eternity like that. I do not want it. I want the purging if this is what it takes. I want the purging. The question is not whether I'll receive it or not. Show me how to yield. And to be honest with you, I'm tired of religion with the wrong limbs of praying that takes your time, your life, and if five years is expended and it's incorrect, where does that leave you? I'm tired of wrong meditating, wrong believing, wrong standing. I'm tired of seeing organizations that teach people on a level where if you contract a terminal disease, kiss it goodbye, buddy, because you're a dead man. If these are the kind of things he's purging, then my God isn't whether you do it or not. He show us how to, to walk in so you can get on with it. Amen. And I'm a triune human being. I, I exist on three levels. There's nothing like me in the universe except you. <laughs> There's only one person in the universe more unique than you are, and that's God in the essence of his Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Even angels aren't like you. There's nothing more unique. There's really only one creature a whole lot more unique than you, and that's Jesus Christ, because as a glorified man, he's as much man as you are, yet he's God. So you will be equal with him in his humanity. In fact, he's not ashamed, he said, to call you his brother. So in his glorified humanity, one day the trump will sound, you'll get a glorified body. And he's not ashamed to call you his brother. But that's the brother of his humanity. But as far as his deity is concerned, you'll never touch it. He's as much God as he is man. And that's what makes him more unique than you. If one day the trump will sound and I will be a glorified human being that occupies a place in eternity with my Father. And I'll still exist on three levels. Spirit, soul, and glorified flesh. Right now, it's spirit, soul, and temptation flesh. <laughs> That's why he says, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill. Don't you wish you'd have said, walk in the Spirit and all the temptations will go away because you'll just be beyond all of it that ever existed. Didn't say it. Said, walk in the Spirit and you'd be more powerful than they, therefore they could not be fulfilled in you. 
But have you ever noticed if you just go neutral, you end up sinning? You're just sitting there in the vine, not bearing fruit eventually. You're taken away. If you're attempting to bear fruit, then he'll come along and he'll purge you so that you will bear more fruit. Glory to God, I like that. If there's no creature like us, spirit, soul, and body, we exist on three planes. With my physical body, I can make contact with this physical universe. That's basically what he created the thing for. When he said, sanctify yourselves holy, spirit, soul, and body. And sanctification, holy means let sanctification finish its work in you. Holy. So the whole lump is sanctified. Holy. Not H-O-L-Y. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy. Holy. Spirit, soul, and body. Now, my body was given to me so I can contact physical things. You know, I, I can reach out and grab a hold of this chair. So, you know, I'm not going to subject this machine that he gave my spirit and soul to live in to things that will harm it if I know that I'm doing it. I'm just not going to do it because it's, a, it's made out of molecules. It's a molecular body, therefore it won't pass through this chair. I can make contact with it. I can make contact with all other physical matter in the universe. And it may interest you to know that your glorified body has the ability to span both worlds. Jesus came and enjoyed a Peter's fish after he was glorified. And I'll tell you something else. When Jesus ate that fish and then he, you know, and then he left and he was gone. And, and that fish was just glorified with him. It went where he went. What a body. This one can't go there. He's going to take you to heaven. He leaves your husk behind. And then you run around heaven a while, and then you argue about coming back. I have to, yeah. I don't want to. I know it. Because you're free, totally free. In fact, once you get back, you can't, in fact, when you're in heaven, you can't understand why you can't have faith here. Well, I really tried, but my senses overpowered me. There, you don't have that war, so you're thinking, my God, how come I don't have all this faith on earth? Well, you silly outfit. Because <laughs> you're moved by what you see, hear, feel. But just body, he said, sanctify it. You know, he give it to me for reconciliation. I don't want to damage it. Why would I subject it to nicotine and whiskey and all that kind of thing? Don't want to. He said, sanctify yourself, spirit, soul, and body. Now, the soul, of course, being your mind, your will, your intellect, and your emotional faculties. He said, to receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your souls. Now, your soul is a unique part of your operation, very, very unique. Your soul is the social part of your character, your makeup. 
And your soul was actually designed to contact other people, to make an intellectual contact with creation around you. And he created your soul more unique than anything else. It has the power to transform itself to what you willfully commit it to, subject it to. If, you, if somebody suddenly parachuted you out over Alaska, it would not be very long that subjected to your circumstances, you would conform to your surroundings and survive. That's the power of the soul. It will eventually transform you to what you willfully subject it to. 24 hours of word or 24 hours of television. Because you willfully subject yourself to, then your soul, like a puppy dog, leads the rest of you into it. That's why emotions can't be dismissed. They have to be turned. When you willfully decide to walk out of a problem, first it's a willful decision. Eventually, your emotions will turn and follow you out of it if you subject yourself to the right thing. But your soul is a social little outfit. It loves socialization because it was created to contact mostly your fellow human being. So to deny that it loves socialization, you'd be lying because it does. I, I like to socialize, do you? I like to come up and give you my testimony. Do you like to give me yours? So my soul demands socialization. That's why God said, Adam, in the social realm, I created you spirit, soul, and body, and your spirit communes with me, and that's enough for him, but not your soul. And he was speaking of the man's soul when he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And he created him a little social butterfly by the name of Eve. <laughs> Started socializing with the devil. The whole human race fell. Too bad she didn't keep her social etiquettes in the right circle. Amen. See, he knew the need of the human soul to socialize because it was created to make contact with his surroundings. Intellectually, admiring things of beauty. Know, a good story. That's how she feeds. Intellectual part of your being. So it's pretty hard to have all this knowledge and to be alone. So when a church finds out that through socialization, like we're having a picnic tomorrow, that we're going to have a social Sunday of communion and then a picnic. And let me tell you what, the crowd will be up. Why will it be up? Because we're social outfits. And after that we eat, we get to sit down with each other. And I like to walk by and listen to each conversation. My God, you should hear the exploits going on. This one had the whole world saved last week. And <laughs> this, one, this one's hearing so much from God, no wonder you don't have time to talk to anybody else, you know. <laughs> So we, 
So we get all this wonderful socialization and everybody's buzzing. They're buzzing and they love it because in the soul realm is an instant gratification. And he created my soul to make contact with my fellow man. And it's where most of us live, not in the spirit. We live in the soul. So a pastor can be deceived into assimilating success because he begins a total ministry to the soul and lets the spirit starve to death. Now, my soul can be fed by contact with my fellow man, but my spirit cannot. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. The only way I can feed my spirit is through fellowship with God. It is through the word of God, which is spirit and life. It's the only way I can feed my spirit. Spirit. My spirit was designed by God to make contact with him. Therefore, when Adam transgressed and man was separated from God, that's what he hungered for, was contact to be back with God. Yet when a pastor begins to simulate success, hmm, the crowds were up for the picnic. But when you preach on sin... Lay down. Preach on praying all night long for the lost. Lay down. Preach on responsibility in the kingdom. Lay down. Preach on let's have a youth meeting and go down and play the slot machines. Lay up. Let's have a singles meeting, a shopping mall. To look the latest fashions over. They up. <laughs> and it's nice to gather all the singles together. To see who's eligible. <laughs> to see the latest styles in clothing. Because boy they come out. It's nice. And it seems like the more of these kind of things that we have the more people come flocking in. What an assimilation of success. The more we minister in the soul, the more they come in. Are you excluding this? No, I'm advocating it. Because that part of your human makeup needs it. To exclude it would be a mistake. But to let the other go is also a mistake. But pretty soon, every time we get together in what we call church, we only have enough time to give to what is social. Till pretty soon, the Word of God only holds 15 minutes. And that's between two singers that are really good. Otherwise, we don't have your attention long enough. 15 minutes a word. Spirit, live on it. That's all you're getting. And then we wonder, even our churches who have graduated our faith Bible colleges and are pastoring all around, and I've been in all, I've been in camp meetings for 19 years. That's why I'm talking to you straight. And I've seen 95% of your people who contract a terminal disease 
in our present faith churches under the umbrella of the present teaching die. 95% of your businesses that are singled out by the devil for destruction fail because they do not know how to face them on any level but a soul realm and you won't whip the devil there, my friend. Your relatives will go to hell and there's something that comes to you that you cannot win over by employing the unnatural. You'll fail. Well, I know what the Word says, yeah, but you don't have the spiritual stamina and fortification to walk it through. So what in the world difference does it make to you? You don't carry that image. You're an emotional mess that's proven it by the way you talk in your recent breakdown. Glory. He's starting to talk to me a little now. Thank you, Jesus. So yes, we need socialization. We make contact with our fellow man. And he wants us sanctified in that area. Yes. Yes, because my soul is social, but my friend, the purging that you receive in the soul realm it's not solid enough to hold you. If you want the kind of purging that Jesus gives, you have to take it a step further on into the Spirit because His fortification and His purging will so embrace the soul realm that it will not control you. You will control it because all permanent change comes from the spiritual realms, not the soul. That's why the world is unsuccessful. Hallelujah. All permanent change come from within. That's why the baptism of the Holy Ghost took place in my human spirit and not my soul because all permanent change comes place from within. All permanent purging emits forth from the spirit and takes over the soul realm and manifests itself in the natural, not the reverse. When you meditate the word, you are only equipping the Holy Spirit for the purging of that dead limb that is in your life. Do you understand? Glory be to God. So we'll read a few verses, pray for a few of you, and let you go. Now reading these verses again. He says, I am the true vine. Oh, why bother emphasize true if there wasn't a lot of false ones? <laughs> I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word of God which I have spoken unto you. Now, it may be interesting to jump forward to the seventh verse, which says, If you abide in me and my words live in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. Well, let's take this purging process just one step deeper than the soul. If you want permanent purging, you have to take it a step deeper. 
I love to worship God because that emits forth from my soul. I know what I'm doing. My mind, my will, my intellect joins in harmony. My voice, my intelligence cries out in worship. Father, I love you. I adore you. I glorify you. And I do so in the midst of adversity when the devil is hammering me in the emotional, in the soul realm. In fact, he told me to do so. He said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, testings, and trials. In fact, he said, Paul did, we rejoice in our tribulations. In fact, he says, I glory in my infirmities. infirmities. I take pleasure in distresses, perplexities, and persecutions. What's he trying to get over to you? In the soul realm where you live, in the emotions, there is nothing that will sustain and fortify you temporarily in your emotions during a trial like worship does. But if you want to be purged permanently, you have to go a step further and enter into the Spirit. The worship will sustain you. So what does it do? Oh, the devil has to break you down through your emotions. He has to deceive you into accepting your own defeat until you raise your hand and go, Oh, I'm finished. Yeah, you're on your way. He understands. Yes, yes. 300 died of the same thing before you. He understands. That nothing will sustain and stabilize your emotions like worship. And boy, in the middle of the worst of it, in fact, I don't even like to wait for testings and trials. Why wait for them? They're always there. <laughs> so, I mean, you might as well learn how to worship him privately. Because in case you haven't noticed, you're on the planet where there's war. And you're always in the beginning, the middle, or the end of a testing and trial. And sometimes that short little space in between. So you might as well learn how to worship and why wait till things get bad. But I have found this out, that worship of God sustains me during a particular test and trial until it's over. But if I want permanent change and permanent peace over that thing that rattled my cage, I must take it a step further and go on into the Spirit to receive that kind of purging. And this is where praying in tongues. Let's back up to the 14th chapter and look at the job of the comforter upon closing. Hmm. 26th verse of the 14th chapter, John. He said, but the comforter, I like what he calls the Holy Spirit, don't you? The name says it all. I like that. And he abides in my spirit. Therefore, the fortification is of my spirit. His whole ministry is in my spirit. His whole ministry. That's why he baptized your spirit, because all permanent change comes from there. He says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, even tells you who he is. Mm, 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 I love it. 
whom the Father will send in my name, past tense, he already sent him. I got him. <laughs> whom the Father will send in my name, he shall, he shall teach you all things. My God, you mean there's a way that the Holy Spirit gets involved with my human spirit to teach me all things, uh-huh, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you, and the result will be peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you, because you're always in tribulation. Peace has nothing to do with tribulations. He says, you, you're the one that's supposed to let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Woo. Now you start understanding when he got over into 15, when he says, now, now, I am the true vine, you're the branches. If you don't abide in me, you'll be taken away. If you do, I'll purge you, and you're purged through the word which I have spoken unto you, and I'll send you the Comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, who will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance and bring forth the peace that I give you, my peace, not like the world gives. You'll be in tribulation in the world. Doesn't matter what's going on around you. The Holy Ghost can purge you to perfect peace. He called him the comforter going in, didn't he? Didn't he? Some of you in some backward situations, aren't you? Devil's at your, your doorstep munching at your peace. And notice what he said. He'll teach you all things. This is the minister of the Holy Spirit. If you want permanent peace in that situation, then you have to take it a step further than the soul realm. It can't provide it. This will fortify the soul realm. It's not that the devil will quit trying to indoctrinate you, but you get the purging in the spirit, then he will be able to fortify it. But he said, he'll teach you all things. You mean there's a way the Holy Spirit gets involved with my human spirit to bring forth that peace that dominates my soul? Uh-huh. Sure. Sure, and we get over into the other chapters. You know, he says, he'll teach you all things for whatsoever I have spoken. He'll take the things that are mine and reveal them unto you. It's, it's tremendous in the 16th chapter. He said, he'll take of mine and reveal it unto you. He said, you'll take of mine, Jesus said, and reveal it unto you. How in the world does he do that? Can, can, you, can you think, you know, of a religion that actually has their God come and take up his abode on the inside of you and pray mysteries and revelation knowledge for hours in the bringing forth of what Jesus is saying? Isn't that tremendous? And when I'm praying in tongues, I'm speaking mysteries, divine secrets, and the mysteries and divine secrets are not for God's benefit. Which one are you going to sneak up on God's blind side and whisper some secret in his ear he didn't know a couple millennials before you were born? So the mysteries that I'm praying in tongues is not for God's benefit. It must be for mine. Then that means that praying in tongues, it's answered as much as the prayer of faith or any kind of prayer. 
See, he, he's fulfilling what he said, that Jesus said, he'll take of mine and reveal it unto you. He'll take of mine and reveal it unto you. That supernatural prayer language is part of the process by which he takes from Jesus and reveals it unto you. For you can't pray those mysteries of everything Christ is in you, the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. You can't walk the floor and pray in tongues three hours that some mystery will be taken from Christ and revealed unto you. That's what Paul tried to get over to them in, in Corinthians when he called them carnal. Carnal mind receives not the things to be of the Spirit of God. He says, when the Holy Ghost has come, he'll guide you into all truth. He says, who knows the things of man, save the Spirit of man. Who knows the things to be of God, save the Spirit of God. He says, but he's given us the Spirit of God that knows the deep things of God to reveal the things of God to us, to what part of us. He takes of Jesus and reveals it unto us. He said, it teaches all things. And my friend, when your mortification comes from spiritual realms, the lamb dies for good. A social club can't give you that. Better come back on Wednesdays and start praying. <laughs> Wouldn't you think? Don't you think you need to spend a couple of hours praying in tongues? Don't you think? Don't you think? Let's stand up and worship God a little while. I had, I had a good time, thank you. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Father, I want to tell you how much I love you. Who creemos Nando kados koraku burandureka shorin tieskerbora makacha. For if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth, and truth will make you free. Truth will make you free. Sundakalo kringos kurabu eso. For there's a place of peace that a person may reside in me. That it'll be evident to the circumstances that orders their daily life that they've been set free. Ooh, yes, Father, for their testimony shall be as one who's been exalted by my hand. So take my word, hide it in your heart. Embrace my Holy Spirit and make your stand. For I've given you tongues that you may understand my mysteries. And for those who use them, they'll soon be set free. For I'll purge you, saith the Spirit of grace. I'll purge you from the things that ought not be, from the things that cause the kingdom disgrace. I'll purge you from those things that cause your defeat. I'll purge you. So abide in my word and let my word live in you. And I'll bring your loved ones in before I'm through. 
Well, the world is looking for reality, for reality when they look to you. So be a city on a hill, a light that cannot be hid. Let my Holy Spirit shine forth in you. Walk in the pathways I've dictated, and you'll know my peace. For your father shall see you through. <laughs> my God, that's good stuff. That's good stuff.